Last Sunday, I talked about the, pro- the promise, the covenant of promise. And uh, tonight, I want to speak briefly on how I believe you can obtain the promise to possess your promise. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your presence here tonight. And Lord, I just ask that you speak to our hearts and and open our eyes. And open our understanding. And give us the inner strength to launch out into the deep to receive the promise. In Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to say tonight that the word of God tells us that God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3. I like this chapter 1 verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. God is not going to bless us with these blessings. They are already ours in Christ. But the scripture says God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You know, a lot of people want to think, is this spiritual blessings? That's what we're talking about. Spiritual blessings. So it has to do with the spirit, the things of the spirit, loving God. But that's not what he's talking about. You have to understand that you cannot separate the spirit realm from the physical realm. The physical realm is a reflection of the spirit realm. The spirit realm is the parent of the physical realm. So the spirit realm was first before the physical realm. If you are blessed in heavenly places, the spiritual blessings in heavenly places, they are in the spirit realm, but you have to Walk with it so that it is reflected in the natural realm. And that's our responsibility. But God has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Sometimes, you know, I really hope, you know, those of, those of you that have been with me back in Nigeria, um, just teaching the people the word of God and helping them to understand that these things are already ours. They belong to us. And we have to work these things out. And, and receive them and bring them in. Now let me say this to you. Jesus said to come to him and, so that you can enter into rest. You see God's design for you is to enter into rest. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. And let me submit this to you, that you are not really in rest. You have not entered into rest until you have obtained the promise. 
On Sunday, we talked about not being strangers to the covenant of promise. It's a covenant of promise. There is a promise to the covenant. And we need to obtain the promise of the covenant while we are here on earth. That's being victorious. That's becoming an overcomer. You are not really into rest. You have not entered into rest until you have obtained the promise. And if you want to see the type of that, you go back to the life of Joshua. Moses was represent Christ. And they all represent Christ. But Joshua is the one, Jesus, to take them into the promised land and to divide to them their inheritance. To give them their promise. To help them obtain the promise. Now if you read in Joshua chapter 1 verse 12 through 14. Joshua was saying to the Reubenites, the Gadites and uh, the people of Manasseh. The tribe of Manasseh. He said, well God has given you rest. Because you have your promise. You have obtained your promise on this side of Jordan. You've obtained your promise on this side of Jordan. Moses divided the land. This is yours, God. The Gadites, Reubenites, and the tribe of Manasseh. You already have that. But he said, God has not yet given your brethren rest. So let your wives stay and their children, but you must go with the rest of them to possess the land, to obtain their inheritance, their promise, and they, they, they will enter into their rest. And then you can come back and enjoy your rest, he says. You can read that in Joshua chapter 1, verse 12 through 14, 15. And so you really haven't entered into rest in God until you have obtained the promise. Whatever that promise is. And there are a lot of promises. There's a promise for your health. Amen. It's a promise, I know we don't have that here, but back in uh, my country, and people have a lot of difficulty, at least in my area, with having children. And it's a major thing. Now, in my culture, if you can, if you're a woman and you can have a child, uh, that's really a curse. And they do anything, even go to the voodoo doctor's house and spend a month there just to have a child. But there's a promise in the word of God, there shall nothing be barren. You have to work that promise. God said that he is our shepherd. I shall not know want. He says he will protect us. He will deliver us from trouble. All of these are promises. Our children, our marriage, our home, our relationships. God has promised us. He said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Where, not just up there, that's great when we get there, that's going to be full life when we get to heaven, but while we are here on earth, we have to see life, eternal life, the life of God. Now, if I have the life of God in me, I mean, it should be evident to the guy who is around me, this guy has something different about him. And that's what draws people to the Lord. So we need to recognize that we have to do everything to enter into rest. (laughs) And that rest is obtaining a promise. If I'm hurting in a certain way, maybe I'm struggling with something in my life, a sinful habit, you know you're not in rest, right? 
I've got to find how to enter into my promised land. Because he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He who sins is a servant of sin. I am not a servant of sin. How come this is a part of my life? I need to be free. So I have to enter into my promised land. And you know as believers, if you're a Christian, no condemnation. If you're doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing, you're not at rest. You know that. You know that. And it's really hard for you to believe God for any promise because you feel he's not happy with me. Or he's happy with you. He loves you. That's not the issue. But the problem is you can't enter into rest because you have not obtained your promise. You have to learn to enter into that promise. So how do we receive the promise? And again, you want to go back to the book of Joshua. Because that's where the type is revealed to us how they obtained their promise. I think we should study the book very carefully and see what happened, how God dealt with them, where they failed. So we can know how to obtain our promise. Because the Old Testament is a shadow of good things to come, right? And if we don't know what, what to expect in our time, we can maybe go back and look at the shadow and see the way God dealt with them. So the first thing that we must do if you are going to obtain a promise from the Lord, find out about the promise. First of all, look at the lack in your, in your life and see in God's word whether there is a promise that from God's word that will meet that need in your life. You have to search. Now, this is what happens, and you can tell very clearly. If you have a need in your life, and you are not searching the scriptures to meet that need, I know where your faith is at. You are not trusting in God. If you're calling individuals and trying to work it out on your own, you are leaning on your own understanding. The word of God doesn't mean anything to you. Because if you are not into your promise, you've not obtained your promise, and there is a lack, I'm not talking about just financial lack, I mean lack in any area of life. If your life seems confused and nothing seems to be right, you know something is off. Where do you look? You're going to try to figure it out. If you are not looking into the word of God, the word of God doesn't mean anything to you. The promise doesn't mean a thing to you. You're going to be calling on people. You're going to be relying on what the doctors say. You say you believe in healing, but you are really depending on the doctors and what the doctors say. And that's not to say you shouldn't trust on what the doctors say. They'll give you the facts. But you know the truth. And the, way, the place to find the truth is in the word of God. And your attitude will show where you're really leaning. If you're really looking at the word and getting the word, I know this person is looking to God. <laughs> and you will obtain your promise. But if that's not what you're doing, you can do everything. Sometimes for believers, we try everything else. It's when all has failed that we now turn to God. And that's sometimes too late. At that time, you need to ride on another person's faith. 
hopefully, by the blessing of God, there is somebody for you to ride on. Because you can't make it. You have to know the promise. You search the promise. Jesus said, search the scriptures. Right? For in them you think you have life. He said, they testify of me. When you search the scriptures, you'll find Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you will find that Jesus is bigger than the problem. And he can take care of the problem. So the thing is to know the promise that's given to you. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 13 says, Therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. The only reason why they are in captivity, the only reason why they are hurting, the only reason why they are in lack is because they have no knowledge. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. Going into captivity is one thing. Being destroyed is another thing. And the only reason is because of lack of knowledge. You don't know the promise. What that's saying is if you can get your hand on the promise, if you can get your hand on the truth, you are halfway out of the problem. You just lock into that thing and refuse to let. So we need to know the promise. Search the scriptures. If you have a problem, the question is, what am I going to, it's not, what am I going to do? The question is, pastor, friend, brother, sister, do you know of any scripture that we, you understand what I'm saying? We address this problem that I have, that I can lock into? That's your medicine, you understand? Medicine. Find that scripture. And during that period, lock into, because that's all I need at this time. I lock into that scripture, those scriptures, find other scriptures that are related to them, and begin to talk to God about them. And to talk to the enemy. As soon as you find those scriptures, plant your feet firmly on those scriptures. Those pro- the promise and stay focused. Stay focused. You know, Satan is going to give you a lot of distractions. Even after you've found the promise and it's been given to you. Sometimes you, you think, well, I found the promise. God is going to answer now. And you're praying and people are praying for you. And the next thing you know, things seem to be going south. That's a distraction. And sometimes I believe God is just testing you to see what you will do if you let go of his promise. If you just let go. If you're going to quit. You know, God called me into the ministry and I'm doing God's work. The expectation is now that I'm obeying God, everything is just going to come down on me. Good stuff is going to be happening to me. Sometimes God will say, I'm going to see if he will stay with it when things are really rough. And he says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, I put you through the wilderness these 40 years just to prove you, to see what is in your heart. So you have to plant your feet on that promise and stay focused, refuse to let. 
That's why the Bible tells us in um, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you must meditate more just mortary to yourself day and night. Just refuse to take your eyes off the promise. Mortary to yourself. And God says if you do that, you will make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. That's all we need to do. If you stay focused, if you still let, you know, meditate on it day and night. You know the story of Elijah and Elisha? Now, Elijah told uh, Elisha, I'm going to Bethel from Gilgal. I'm going there. You stay here. You can be the pastor of this uh, school of prophets here. And that should be enough for you. I've trained you real well. So don't worry about it. He was looking for something bigger. No. I'm going to go with you to Bethel. Well, you can be a pastor of Bethel. You know, you didn't find that in the scripture. But you stay here. Stay here, he said. But basically, the school, school of the prophets there. And he was the closest man to Elijah, right? He must have a lot of knowledge about how God moves. They respected him. He was the closest. Elijah was the chief prophet around the whole country. So now, here he was in Bethlehem. You stay here. He said, no, I'm not staying. I'm going with you to Jericho. Now, after Jericho, no, I'm not staying in Jericho. I don't want to be a pastor of just Jericho. I want to be the pastor of all of them. He had his eyes fixed on what he wanted from God. And then they crossed the river Jordan. And uh, Elijah said to Elisha, uh, what do you want me to give to you? What do you want me to do for you? He says, well, I want a double portion of the spirit you got on you. Hmm? I want a double portion. Yes, say, boy, you asked a very hard thing. But I tell you this. If you see me as I'm taking up, then you can have. Left Second Kings chapter, chapter 2, you can read that. Read that. But notice, after the, he said that to Elijah, and Elijah told him, if you can see me while I'm taking up, then you can have it. He said, immediately, chariots of fire and horses of fire came supernaturally and separated them. That was a supernatural act, right? He wasn't asked to look at the chariots of fire, Right? Or the horses of fire. Even though that was a supernatural thing, it was also a distraction. He separated them. It wasn't the chariot of fire or the horses of fire that took Elijah to heaven. It was a whirlwind. I know you will say that, you know, the chariot is sitting in a chariot as the chariot was going. Well, the Bible didn't say that. He says it was a whirlwind that took him up. So he had to take his eyes off this Miracles happening and focus on the promise. Amen? He focused on the promise. He had to look away from this. I mean, he could go back and write great books about how the chariot looked like. The chariots of fire. And the horses. I saw them with my eyes. But that was a distraction. Sometimes supernatural events, if you're just looking at what you see in the natural, supernatural, sometimes it could be a distraction. 
God is looking at what's in your heart. You're going to focus on the word, focus on the promise, and refuse to let, then you get the promise. He took his eyes off. He was watching Elijah and saw him. So the thing is, find that promise, plant your feet on that promise, and stay focused. Why? Because as soon as you plant your feet on that promise, there will be a big fight. All kinds of things to distract you. To take your eyes off it. And if you do, you'll sink. You need to stay focused. Amen? The next thing that you must know is that it will take a fight. He's just not going to come. Notice what it says in um, Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. He said, everywhere the sole of your foot touches, I will give to you. I have given. God said, I have given to you. The same thing, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. The Bible tells us that God has given to us all things. All is blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So we have been given. God has already blessed them. God said, I have given you the land, but now you go fight for it. I told you, God, you can fight. You take them, kill them, uh, send them thunder and hail and lightnings and kill, destroy all of them. And then we just walk in and take over the land. Well, it doesn't work that way. You have to fight for it. That's why God told the, the Gadites, the Reubenites, and uh, the tribe of Manasseh, I want you to join your brothers as they go fight for their inheritance. It's always a fight. Matthew chapter 11 verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent ones take it by force. It's going to be, you have to fight. But you won't lose because the land is already given to you. This is something that you must know. The enemy also knows that the land has been given to you. The promise is yours. They know it. And they are scared of you doing anything about it. As long as you are not doing anything about the promise. As long as you smile about the promise. Oh, that's nice. Oh, pastor, just preach it again. But you're not doing anything about it. They are in comfort. They're not worried about you. But the day you find out the promise and you decide to do something about the promise, they know. Because when God gives you a promise, he lets the devil know that that promise is yours. And they know it. And they are scared. They are not worried until you know the promise and you start doing something about it. They're not just going to give up, but they will fight, but they know to let go. I'd like to read something from the book, uh, from Joshua chapter 2, when, the, when uh, Joshua sent uh, two spies, you remember the story, to, to search the land. And they went to one Halot, Rahab, 
Huh? And to search the land. Now, this is what Rahab, uh, the woman, the harlot said. In Joshua 2, verse 8 and 9. It said, Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know this is the enemy now. We know. I know that the Lord has given you the land. They were still in the land, but the enemy, including their king, knew that God has given them the land. So when God says, I have given you all things that pertain to life and godliness, guess who knows it? The devil knows that. He is in comfort as long as you do nothing about it. As long as you say, well, that's nice. And do nothing about it. Don't fight for it. He's happy. But when you begin to fight, let me finish that scripture. It says, now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. They saw them moving closer to their property. <laughs> they own the land. You, God, had given them the land. It's the same way. When God told them, I have given this land to you, it was already given. And the enemies were served the notice, this land is no longer yours. And as soon as you start spying on that land, that's as you search the promise, they are beginning to be worried. Amen? Amen. And when you come in to possess it, you know you will have to fight. How do we fight as believers? That's always burdened me. As a new Christian, well, how do I fight? Do, do I go get a sword in my hand and go look for the enemy? Cut him up? How do you do the fight as a believer? The real fight, the fight is in the sword that's in your mouth. Amen. That's your sword. It's the sword of the spirit. You know where the enemy is. Direct that sword to the enemy. Take that sword to the enemy. And begin to proclaim what you know. It's the sword of the spirit. The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And this sword is not just to cut human beings. This sword cuts spirits. Amen. And they know when you're using the sword. So you begin to proclaim what God is giving to you. And you begin to call yourself blessed because God said you are blessed. And if God has blessed you, no one can curse you. So you begin to proclaim what you know from the word. Even if contradictory circumstances come into your life, you stand up and you proclaim what you know from the word. You stay focused. You refuse to let. Sometimes discouraging moments come and to me, every one of us. I learned, I'm not going to pay attention to it. I'm going to stay focused. God has already given me the promise. Don't know when, don't care about when. Don't know how, don't care about how. And just know that God who has given the promise is faithful. And he'll come through for me. 
He will come through for me. I'm not going to concern myself about what people think. That's a distraction. I stay focused on the promise. I put my foot on the promise and I proclaim, God, you're true. God, you're good. God, you have blessed me. Yell it out so that the devil can hear. And that's why the, that's when the terror of you will come into your heart. And they're shaking, knowing that before long they will have to give up that land. Your promise. So that you can enter into your rest. Amen? Amen. Fourth thing is never allow fear, dismay, or discouragement to set in. Fear. You believe in God and something comes in and then you become afraid. Is this promise going to be fulfilled? I thought everything was lining up for the promise to be fulfilled. Now look, I just got this in the mail. (laughs) What do I do now? I just got fired. What am I going to do? I thought I had that money invested for my kids' education. Now the market is gone way down. I, the money is gone. What am I going to do now? Where am I going to find the money? Well, if that's where your faith is, well, your faith was not in God. You look to the promise. The promise will carry you through regardless of what's going on. The promise is good. Amen. So never allow fear, dismay. Or discouragement. If you give in into those, you've lost the battle. If you read in Joshua, that's the one that tells us, the book that tells us how to possess our possession. Just Joshua chapter 1 alone, you see how many times God kept saying to Joshua, don't ever allow discouragement. You will possess the land. I will be with you. Why? Because at times it seems as if God is not anywhere to be found. He's not near anymore. And you feel like everything is going crazy. What's going on? Where is God? Is there in your heart? You don't know. You don't, you can't understand what's going on. That's why God was saying, this is the way things are in the natural. In your natural realm, there are circumstances that are going to come into your life, even though I'm with you. You begin to think, I'm no longer there. Then you begin to want to feel discouraged. Dismay. And you're afraid. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 6, it says, be strong and of a good courage. In verse 7, it says, only be strong and very courageous. Don't give in to discouragement. Joshua 1 verse 9, God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. And in verse 17, even God made the people to say that to Joshua. The people said, well, listen to you, Joshua. Whatever you tell us, we'll do. Only for you, don't be of a good courage and be strong. If you want to possess your land, you can never allow discouragement. If you let dismay set in, then God is no longer in the picture. You are on your own. You cannot be discouraged. Fifteen, which is the last thing, and I close. Be patient. 
How many of you know what that, mean, that word means? <laughs> That's usually one of our, the most difficult ones because we want everything done right now. We cannot be patient. But let me show you something from the word. Once you have taken that seed of the word into your heart, you are going to reap. The minimum is 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. In Luke 8, verse 15, Jesus explained the parable. He says, but the ones that fell on the good ground... Good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it. In other words, they don't let it go. They stay focused on it. And bear what? Fruit. With what? Patience. You keep the word, don't let it go. And be patient because you will bear fruit. And the Bible says... 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So patience is really needed if, you will, if the word of God that you have taken into your life will bear fruit in your life. Now, that's for every promise. Every promise. Every promise. Spiritual, material, every promise. If you believe in God for a spiritual gift, you still need patience. You still need to walk this road. You take the seed of the word. You stay focused on the word. You refuse to let. Even if the circumstances are turning against you, you refuse. You still trust in God. But after a while, you begin to receive the fruit. Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, verse 18 and 19, and I close it with this. It says, but not an a hair of your head shall be lost by your patience possess your souls patience is very important you have to be patient his ways are higher than our ways his thoughts are much higher than our thoughts his timing usually not ours usually not ours and the way to get things done is very different from his ways you may be thinking he's going to do it through this way and he's going to surprise you some other way. We don't know. All we, want, all we know is what the promise says. And that's all we have to do. Stay focused on the promise. Would you stand with me tonight? I know we've uh, already worshipped the Lord tonight. I would like us to raise our hands up to the Lord tonight. And thank him from the bottom of your heart that you are his child. And he loves you. He, he's not taking anything from you. If it seems as if that thing has been taken from you, that's because he wants to multiply what you had before. That was too small. He wants to multiply it. So stay strong. Stay strong. That's what it is. We have a loving God. He's our father. There's nothing that a, a good earthly father would not do for his child. You are his child. He knows what's going on in your life. He has a great future for you. As long as you are in that flesh, he will not allow you to suffer in this life. 
He already took your suffering when he went to the cross. Don't try to suffer for him. He's already suffered. We don't need another sacrifice. He has made all the sacrifice. Now it's for us to thank him and to bless him for everything that he's done and worship him and be thankful. Father, we are so grateful to you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for everything that you have provided for us. We acknowledge the things that you have provided for us. And we declare that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. And we know that you have prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And we know that goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives. And we know we'll dwell in the house of our God forever. We give you praise tonight. Let your children enter into their inheritance. In the name of Jesus, teach our hands to do battle, to possess our possessions, all that you have given to us, so that we'll lack nothing and we'll be able to help those that are in misfortune. We give you praise tonight. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.